We've, we are on our second week of the Kingdom of God series. We're going to talk about this over the next four weeks. And then from there, after that, we're going to dive into the book of Hebrews. And we're just going to spend however long it takes in Hebrews, which you know when we get in a book, you know, who knows, right? Remember Matthew, right? Um, and uh, because of that, we, we are actually going to see a number of different things. Well, last week, we talked about the Kingdom of God. We, we set up kind of a working definition. The working definition for the kingdom of God was that it is the redemptive reign of God. So anywhere that God's reign is in place, not just a realm, we, we differentiated that, that it wasn't a place, that God wasn't, the kingdom of God wasn't a place. The kingdom of God is his rule that then creates a people which brings about a place. And that our desire and our hope here on earth should be to be praying for God's kingdom to be here as it is in heaven. That was our goal and our desire. And we said that ultimately, there are many things that are a part of the kingdom of God that we can experience right now. And we just kind of honed in on four of them. We said that, that ultimately, you can be a part of the, kingdom, of the kingdom of God where his redemptive reign is in place through community, authority, submission, and worship. And we challenged, I pushed on you guys saying, the, the reason why we're in this, the reason why we're digging into this is because so many of us, and I see it because of the rhetoric and the noise and everything else that's going on in this world, we get so laser focused on aspects of kingdom that we miss the entirety of the kingdom of God. And so what we're going to do this week is we're going we're to focus in on individuals. How does redemptive reign play out individually? How does the kingdom of God play out for Bren and you and all of you individually? Next week, it'll be the church as a whole, and then we'll do it as a family, and then also we'll talk about the future kingdom as a whole, where it's coming, when is Jesus' kingdom coming. So that's, that's the roadmap of where we are. Um, to, to talk about today, when we talk about the redemptive reign or, or the, the kingdom of God individually, all of us can probably relate to this one statement that Apostle Paul says in Romans 7. He says, he says, I do not do what I want to do, but do the very thing that I hate. And I think over and over again, most of us can recognize that we, we sit in this, this kind of postured middle spot where we, we believe things like Ephesians 1 says that we've been redeemed and we're justified and we're holy and we're set apart and, and we're children of God and we're ad adopted and all these truths are true about us, but yet we can't shake the fact that although I'm a justified and I'm redeemed and all those things, why are there so many unredeemed aspects in my life? Even though I know that God has covered me, he has, he's pulled about this redemption in my life, even though I know that he, he loves me and all these things are true, I still operate in so many ways in an unredemptive way. I still find space in my life. I still find places in my life where ultimately my, my redemption that God has promised is not living out. I can see it in addictions. We can see it in, in pride or anger or just sin after sin after sin where we see ourselves walking this fine line of, I, I know I'm redeemed, but yet, I'm just pleading for God's redemption to show up in this relationship. I, I, know, I know I'm redeemed, but I just, I can't shake the fact that there's so many aspects of me that are still so far from holy. And yet, he calls me holy. If you remember, when we were back in the Ephesians series, I asked that question. I said, how many of you here would say you're holy and got all perfect out? No one raises their hand. Because we all feel that weight that the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 7. He goes on to talk about the battle of our flesh with the, the Spirit of God and how this all works together. And, and ultimately, we all feel this pain. And so as we look at the kingdom of God and what it means for us individually, I think this is one of the biggest areas that we struggle with it as a whole. We love the idea of the kingdom of God as I'm going to go, you know, do this social justice. or I'm going to be a part of this, the kingdom work. And we will even use that language. And we're like, I don't know what that means, but it seems cool, right? And it's maybe a little hipster. So I'm just going to say kingdom and, and people will be like, all right, yeah, right? And so we do that. But a lot of times we don't recognize that the kingdom of God, if it's redemptive reign, is at work in us individually. He's trying to do something in you and me 
on an individual basis. And the scriptures call that a, a, a word. It's a big word. It's called sanctification. It's a word that most of us have probably heard to some extent. And so I want to define it. It's, it's two Latin words made up together that basically means make holy. Make holy. That's what those two words come together. So when we say sanctification, sanctification is us being made holy. And so the scriptures teach us that we are sanctified by the word and we are sanctified in, in God. And in fact, Hebrews 12 tells us that we're supposed to fix our eyes on the author, the founder, and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. And so we even see in Jesus Christ that he is not only the beginning of our faith, but he's also gonna be the one that perfects it and redeems it and continues to move in us. In fact, Jesus was the catalyst for the redemptive reign of the kingdom. That's what we talked about last week. And so we see this, this definition as a whole in the scriptures that we see um, that um, 2 Peter 3.18 talks about it. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So there's this idea of growing in grace, this growth process. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he, to begin of God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So we have this hope that the, the unredemptive parts of us is going to be completed when Jesus comes again. And most of us should say amen to that because we see those areas that need it so badly. Sanctification is to be pursued by a believer. We see that in 1 Peter 1.15, Hebrews 12.14. We see that the application of the word is John 17.17. 17. We see ultimately that sanctification is just all over in the scriptures. Uh, one, one theologian said it this way on the East Coast. He, said, he pulled out a handkerchief and he said, sanctification is like this. It's like when you come to know the Lord, you're sanctified. He covers you with his sanctification. But how it plays out in your life is he begins to start shoving it in you internally. And what ends up happening is ultimately you no longer need to be covered in that because it's what you send out internally. So sanctification is this process where, where he's working in us. And, and look, for what it's worth, every single one of you, if you've been a week with the Lord or a few decades with the Lord, you've experienced sanctification to some extent. Let me, let me, let me push on this a little bit. We all had propensities fleshly desires, things that we continued to do on a regular basis, that God's word was very clear to say, that is not what my redemptive reign looks like. And in our lives, we have seen those things be redeemed. Maybe not every area. You may, not, you may be looking at a list of things, you're like, well, yeah, but he hasn't done this and this and this and this. Look, sanctification isn't gonna happen overnight. Maybe for some of you, there may be an aspect of it happening overnight where it's like he just frees you from some burden that you've been addicted to forever. That is absolutely possible. The miracle of the Holy Spirit's work can happen immediately in some of our lives. But to be perfected, it's in the day of Jesus Christ's coming. That's when, that's when it's done. It's the same with his kingdom. We are living out aspects of his kingdom now, but ultimately we want his kingdom, his full reign to be here on earth as it is in heaven, completely taken over. And so sanctification is something that we have to recognize that this is what God is doing in us. It's a work that's happening in us. If we don't submit ourselves to that process, we're going to miss a lot of what God's trying to do in the kingdom. And so I want to talk about a few ways this goes wrong. Um, first off, uh, one of the ways that this goes wrong is uh, laziness. We, uh, we are just flat out lazy. We don't want to do anything in our lives. We don't want to grow anywhere. And so we, we see that, that the sanctification is supposed to come, but you're like, you know what? I don't want to really rock the boat. And so we, we guise it as, or we hide it as some kind of peacemaker, but really we're just lazy. We don't want to deal with the hard conversations. We don't want to deal with the hard push. We don't want to push back. We don't want to deal. We don't want to rock any boats. And so we just run from difficult conversations because at the end of that difficult conversation, it may mean that you actually have to have a change in your life. It's, it's weird when we talk about the kingdom of God having his authority and his submission, 
right? Like it plays through everywhere. And a lot of it, our laziness is because we're not submitted to the Lord. We don't want to do it. Another way that this goes bad is, is we're an individualist. We see this as ourselves. All right, well, you know what? Like my sin doesn't affect anyone else. Let me just, I mean, don't show me hands, but how many of you have had a sin in your life that affected a great amount of people? Right? All of our sins, if you're in community with anyone, when you sin, it affects every single person around you. When you don't confess that sin, it affects every single person around you. This is why I think so many people don't want to be in community because they don't want the accountability in that. They don't want to be fully known. They think it's safer to hold people to distance. I just, I won't hurt anyone and no one will get hurt when the reality is all those people around you are going, man, I'm hurting because you're pushing me away. When we submit ourselves to the Lord's will and we do what he's called, the community is blessed by that. We see that over and over again. Another way that this goes bad in us, the individual sanctification, is that we just don't believe in God's promises. We hammered you over and over and over again on this in Psalm 119. We don't believe that when God says he's the author and the perfecter, we don't believe that he's really going to perfect because we're too impatient. It's taking too long. I've been just, man, I've just been like praying for everything. I had a couple tell me in my office, man, we've tried everything. This marriage isn't going to work. It's over. I'm like, you've been married 10 months. Like you have not tried everything. Trust me. Like there is a lot more to try. We are so impatient, so impatient. Joseph was wrongly, wrongfully in, in, like in prison for 13 years. And we hear in that section twice that God was with him. I'm kind of like, God, could you be with me out of prison? Right? God's sanctification is, is to us, it seems like, what, 13 years? Some of you, you've got marriage issues that have gone on for two decades. And you're like, man, I just, I don't know what's going on. And we're going we're to talk about that in a second. But, but sanctification is a slow, long process. And sometimes it's slower and longer because we just don't believe God's actually doing it. And another way that this goes wrong is we actually, we don't believe that people can change. Some of you have given up on people. I mean like given up. And I'm not talking about healthy boundaries. But you said, you know what, they've always been this way. And so you, you know what, there is no way that God is going to change them. So instead of posturing ourselves on our faces before the Lord, pleading for God to do a work in their heart, we give up on them. No, people can't change. This is just not it. And we believe that sometimes about other people, which then seeps into ourselves. I will always fight this addiction, so it's just going to be my life. This is it. Might as well just carry it to the grave. No one else needs to be drugged into this. We, we believe those lies over and over and over again. Really, if you think about it, we kind of go into two groups of people, and this, there's probably more. But two groups of people. There's the people that do kingdom work and ignore it individually, right? We, we love to be a part of a good cause. Oh, you want to talk about refugees? I'm in. Okay, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You want to talk about my pride? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm busy tonight. Oh, oh wait, wait. We can, we, can free, we can free these kids that are getting trafficked? I'm in. That's awesome. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't want to throw that scripture at me about how I'm supposed to love my wife. We do this all the time. We, we, oh, yeah, I'll serve in the kids' classroom all day long, but I'm never going to serve my wife or kids at home we fall short sometimes because we get excited about kingdom things and we ignore the individual kingdom at work in us. We ignore that God is actually desiring to have full redemptive reign over every aspect of us for his glory and his glory alone. That's one way it goes bad. Another thing we do is we just don't do kingdom work because um, we only focus on the redemption needed in ourselves. This is another, again, there's other groups probably, and you guys could probably find lots of them, but, but ultimately we, we get to a spot where we are Believing as a whole that our kingdom is, our, our kingdom work is not going to be effective because of the lack of the redemptive reign in aspects of our lives. And so let me, yes, if you are 
grossly struggling in, in addiction, you're not the best person maybe to walk another person that's struggling through addiction in. Like, that's probably not maybe there. But most of us aren't in that situation. Most of us are in a situation where God has brought us to faith. We've been walking with the Lord for a while, but we just ignore kingdom work because, well, he just hasn't gotten it perfect yet. Well, duh. I mean, he says that on his day of returning, that's when it's, it's perfected. And so we, we ignore kingdom work as a whole, individually, because we, we get so focused on, he's still working on me. I have so many people that say this. Like, man, I just wish someone would pour into me. I'm like, awesome. Who are you pouring into? No one, because I need to be poured into. When does that cycle change? You know how many over 50s that still say that? I just wish there was something that someone would pour into me. 30-year-olds, you can be those 50s if you just stay in this, this trend. 20-year-olds, it doesn't, it doesn't fix itself unless we engage in the fact that, that the redemptive reign brings about work and, and, and effort in us today. Today. So you having the Holy Spirit, if you submit your life to Jesus Christ, you are to be invested in kingdom work and also invested in what God is doing in you in that redemptive reign. There's a scripture that does this, says this really, really well. It says, count it all joy. Oh, sorry, it's James 1. This is a, the whole first chapter of James is perfect, but we taught through that book already, and I think I spent like eight weeks on this one chapter, so I won't do that to you guys. But, but the first chapter of James is, is perfect for this. I'm gonna just hit a couple of these verses in here. I'd recommend you go back and read it. But James 1, verses two through four, says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. Did you hear this? Let steadfastness have its full effect. What's the full effect? That you may be, what? Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Man, I don't know about you, but I want that. I want to be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Because right now I see imperfect and partial and lacking a whole lot of things in myself. So we see that, that this steadfastness in its full effect, when the full, full measure of this comes through, you're perfect and lacking in nothing. Okay, let's go on. Verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do you see, do you see the, the parallel here? Steadfastness leads to perfect and complete. Sin leads to death. So when we think about this playing out in sanctification, I want to err on the former, not the latter. So that means that when I'm confronted with sin, like, hey, the scriptures are pretty clear. This is what it says. Instead of going, well, this doesn't apply to me. I go, whoa, whoa, wait. If there's sin in here, there's sin. I don't, I don't want it to conceive more sin. I don't want it to give birth because ultimately I know that sin leads to death. And I, I would rather be on the side of complete and perfect and lacking nothing. And so we see it. Okay, so a little bit further, verse 19 then. James goes in, he goes, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay, I just want you to pause on that section and apply that to your social media. Okay, great, move on. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, because deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like, but the, but the one who looks into the, the perfect law, the law of liberty, and pers perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. A kingdom-minded person is someone who doesn't just hear the word of God, but does the word of God. Sanctification, as God continues to push 
that into us and making us more and more holy, what that does is it begins to, to take out of us things. We begin to act out of the redemptive reign that's happening in us. So this is, I said this last week, I said that you can be really, really good at doing redemptive work outside of the kingdom of God and it's not worship and it's wrong. And that's what we talked about, right? But I said, but you can't be a part of the kingdom of God without doing redemptive work. I think a lot of us, a lot of us, we, we struggle, we struggle to recognize that the kingdom of God, ultimately, if you and I are justified, if we've been deemed justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, if we've been made holy by what he has done on the cross for us, then ultimately, sanctification will happen. If you are someone that is like, man, I came to faith through this awesome experience and when I was 13 years old and there has not been a single redemptive act in your life since, I think you've missed it. And I don't mean that to be harsh, but you gotta hear it. Like, look, it may not be whole, I'm not saying that. Trust me, there's so many, like if the Apostle Paul, who we would probably say is our hero, says those very things about himself, I'm pretty sure we're gonna wrestle with that too. But if there's not a single aspect of your life where you're seeing yourself submitted to the scripture, submitted to the scripture where it says, hey, this is what a doer of the word would do, and you go, yeah, I ain't interested in that. You're, you're just a hero, you're deceived. You're deceiving yourself. And that's what James talks about. Kingdom kingdom as a whole, when it comes individually, we need to remember that the individual kingdom is going to bring about community and worship and authority and submission. We see that, again, that's, those are aspects. There's other aspects of his kingdom we can see in the scripture, righteousness and, and purity. We see so many other things, but those four things we know for sure are going to be present in the kingdom of God. So if today you are running from submission or authority or community or worship in God, then you're missing the fact that the kingdom of God needs to take some redemptive reign in your life. So individually, that'll play out too. So, let yourself be sanctified. Well, how do we do that? There, there are a ton of ways, scripturally, that we see that sanctification happens for us. We, we, we see him making us holy in a ton of ways. I'm just gonna highlight two, okay? These are two of the bigger ones. There's, there's other, I'm sure there's other ones out there. The first one is that, that we are sanctified. God sanctifies us through the word of God. He sanctifies us through his scriptures, he sanctifies us through, our, through his scriptures when I open it and read it by myself. He does it when someone speaks through it. He does it when we talk about in our community. He does it through the Holy Spirit bringing that scripture to mind at the right time. He sanctifies us through his word. This is why it's so important for you guys to be in God's word, to know God's word. You want to know why? Because some of you are just hearers and not doers. You are making choices in your life right now you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that that scripture could be applied to my perfect, but this scenario, but you know what? She's just really cute and I like her. I, I, just, I, really, I just really want to be married. So you know what? I don't really care. I mean, maybe it's not applied. I just, I mean, yeah, sure, it's not beneficial, but yeah, it's permissible. And you start skewing the, the scriptures to make you feel like you can justify what you're doing. Yeah, I, I, know, I know what the scriptures say as a husband I'm supposed to do for my wife, but that's just way too much work. It's just too hard. I can't do it. I know, I know what the scriptures say for a wife to a husband, but you know what? My husband's a jerk, so I'm just not going to do it. You become a hearer, not a doer. And James just told us that a hearer is deceived. They're deceived. They look in the mirror and forget what they look like. Some of you look in the mirror too much, but that's another sermon. But, but you, the scriptures are this way. God's going to sanctify us through the word. However the truth is brought to us, the word speaks to it and sanctifies us. However, 
So when you listen to it, when you study it, when you read a, a commentator on it, when you listen to a podcast, when you read it through your daily devotions, when you, when you pray and the scriptures come out of you, when, like, that is how he sanctifies us. You know the other way? The other predominant way. We see this all over scriptures. You know what we see, how he sanctifies us? Through trials. He sanctifies us through hardships. Now, I want to push really hard on this one because you want to know what I hear? I hear more often than not. Life will be so much better when this is removed. You ever thought about that? Man, when she stops acting like this, everything's going to be so much better. Did you ever stop to think that the trial you're in is actually God at work to try and sanctify something in you? See, we are so fickle. You know what? Oh, man, this church, that church was just way too hard on us, and so I'm, I'm out. It's too hard. I'm out. When, when realistically, God goes, no, no, no. You, you realize difficulties. I'm, I'm going to sanctify you because here's what's going to happen. Most difficulties are going to be revealed through sin, some form of sin. I'm not, not ignoring that, but that's where redemption really shows up beautifully. And some of you right now, you're running from the very situations that you're in because you're afraid it's going to be too hard. And God's like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I am at work in you. I am at work in you. And I have so many amazing things to do in you. But you keep blaming it on this person. Man, you keep blaming it on this job or this thing. When this thing gets out of the way, everything else will be great. And God's going, no, it's not. I'm trying to do something in your heart. And you keep blaming that. I'm at work. I'm redeeming you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to just make this a better version of you. I'm going to make this the way that it was intended to be from the beginning. Perfect. So that I get the glory. That's what God's doing in you. And so when we squirm, when we run from, from those situations, we, we unfortunately, we find ourselves running from the very thing that God's doing to make us more holy. Yeah. Another way that you guys can think about this redemption is that I heard a scholar say it this way, and actually uh, the, Debbie shared this with me. Some of the women in the men's group talked about this, but they'd heard it said one time where specifically a mother's not ready to be a mom when the baby comes out, okay? But by definition, they're a mom. Yeah, the baby's out. It's like, surprise, you're a mom. Okay, they got a baby in your hand. Even if she's not ready to be a mom, she's still a mom. That's how make me holy as you are holy works, even though we don't feel holy, God has made us holy. But he's going to help us understand how to be holy. Just like he's going to work with mothers and what it means to raise their children up and fathers as well. It applies both ways. But God is, God is taking holiness in us that he's already given us. He's saying, I'm going to make this make more sense as I sanctify you. And one of the big ways I'm going to do it is through the hardships in your life. The way that you two keep bickering and fighting Man, when you both submit to my authority in this, you watch what's going to happen. My redemption is going to wash over that situation. And you will no longer call it a painful past. You'll be like, God showed up here. And I give him glory for it. Because if he didn't show up here, I don't know where we'd be. And how many of you have stories like that? If it wasn't for God in this, this would happen. You can always see it so clearly in the rearview mirror. Well, just know, it's just as clear, if not clearer. In fact, let me just say this. It's incredibly clear for God in the future. He's not, he's not perplexed. He's just allowing these trials, these difficulties in front of you going, oh, no, 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 Brent, you, you get to keep hanging around that person. I know, I know they annoy the snot out of you. Yep, I'm going to get you really close. In fact, you guys are going to smell each other's B.O. half the day. That's how close I'm going to get you guys together because what's happening in there is a work inside that I need that sanctification to come in so that it's no longer an issue of me just having to cover it, but it's what exudes and comes out of you and I get the glory. 
And that's what he's doing. And that's what he's doing in us. So many of us, we, we picture the kingdom of God like this. Like, here's the kingdom of God. And it's like, awesome. And we're kind of walking on it. We're in it. And we're moving. And it's like, oops, I sinned. And we, fill ourselves, we throw ourselves way out here. Do you realize the blood of Christ keeps you in the kingdom of God? So when you continue to give yourself to sin, when you continue to give yourself to sin that leads to death, you can, yeah, you're operating, this is the worst part, you're operating as a part of the kingdom, not underneath his redemptive reign. So it's a complete disservice to what God's calling, but it's not meant to shame us into doing more. Instead, it's like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, God, you want me to live in a spot where there doesn't even have to be rules because I'm so submitted to you that that's my life? I think I'd rather be there than over here fighting you all the time kingdom of God is working at us individually. When we submit ourselves to this, the ramifications are amazing. Like, think about this. When we, when we individually submit ourselves to this, the, 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 the expanse and the effects that that has on the world and the people around us is incredible. And I, I can say this because just like when you know if someone sins in your community, it affects everyone. When you see someone submitted to the Lord and they operate out of that, it affects everyone in a really, really beautiful way. We're going to talk about that pretty extensively next week in the church section. But as individuals that are making up the church, when we submit ourselves to the redemptive reign of God, there's never an issue for serving. Maybe you think about it. If each of us was individually submitted to the Lord, we'd all be serving in some capacity because we know like God calls us biblically to serve in some capacity. It would look drastically different for every person. It may seem if we quantified it by human standards, we'd be like, well, you serve more than you. That's, that's dumb. That's not what I'm talking about. But it would, it would change the way the church operates. If everyone, was, if everyone was submitted to this individual redemption, marriages would be drastically different. Like, like, hear me on this. If, if both you and your spouse submitted to this as a whole, that redemptive reign would just wash over you. Yeah, yeah, but I've been submitted to it, but he won't or she won't. That doesn't matter. You're still on an individual journey. There are amazing ramifications when we submit ourselves to the Lord in this way. We have to believe that. The church would look different, where people would basically be known as the characteristics that would identify Jesus. They'd be like, I don't know about Bren, but you know, something, something I can't explain. And they would say he's, he's patient and joyful and has peace. He's kind, which, by the way, I don't know if that's always said about me. But either way, that's, that's the ramifications when I submit to myself, to God's sanctification. When I submit to him making me holy, that's what we see. God doesn't just throw out a bunch of rules at us and say, follow these. God wants to make you such a submitted follower of him that you don't even need the rules. You realize that? He's not, I want to be so careful. It's like, this is one of those subjects that we, I wish you could do like a, a four-week series on itself, but sanctification isn't, oh, God justified me, great. Now I got to figure out how to follow him. <laughs> and it's all on my own. Like, God did this, and now it's all me. That's not, that's not the case. In fact, we have scriptures like Ephesians 2. He created beforehand the good works. So be, before you're even on, on scene, he's like, oh, this is what Bren's going to do. He's going to do it for me. He'll get messed up. He'll get lost, but don't worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redeem those things. And I'm going to bring them out this way. We see um, in Galatians 5, 6, faith working through love. We see in Philippians 2, 12, that we are. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like there is an aspect of us doing something. But it's all his work in us. It's his spirit leading us. It's our submission to the word of God that does it. And he gets the glory when we do that. If it's us on our own, we get the glory. It's no longer worship. It's no longer kingdom. The band's going to come up. We're going we're gonna to worship in a, in a couple of different ways. Uh, one is we're, we're going to do communion. And with, with communion, I want to talk about that real quickly because, because I think it's a really great time to process this as the kingdom of God as we're looking at it. Because I think a lot of us, when we think of that, just that basic def definition of redemption reign or redemptive reign, 
Like if God has fully like redeeming reign in my life, it's not just a noun, but like an adjective. Like he's really like, he's redeemed, but he's redeeming. We all feel like there are areas in our lives that need to be washed over, right? We're all like, man, I, I know. At the beginning of the sermon, we talked about it. We said, okay, yeah, I feel this pain. I know what God's word says. I don't see myself falling this way. I, I understand it. Like there's areas I need to submit to him in this. We all experience and feel and see that. But what you can see in the scriptures when it comes around communion is such a profound and beautiful thing. I was talking with Danny this week about it, and we are talking about how over and over again through the Old Testament, you can see the judgment and the wrath of God, what it plays out, specifically around the flood. Like God floods the earth and just obliterates everything. It's a whole other sermon, another topic. Sorry if you're like, what? What's going on? Like, whatever. But, and he, he does everything except for the ark with these, these animals and, and this, this little family. And it covers the whole earth. Well, when we think about Jesus' blood being spilt for us on the cross, it's the same picture his blood covers the entire earth. His blood has washed over the entirety of everything. And so for some of you right now, you, you've, been, you've been disconnecting that in your life and you've seen yourself standing here and him washing over you, but you're like, oh, he missed this whole left side of my body. Man, he, he has washed me and that I now know I'm saved and I know that he loves me, but I can't, like he's not washing me with the way I treat my wife or my husband. He's not washing me with this. And we keep doing all those things. And so I wanted you to just, just picture yourself, maybe today, as you go and take communion, that, that God is gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna aim the fire hose of that blood, that, that washing over. He's gonna just, he's just gonna obliterate that section. Like it's not just some kind of calming, like, oh, this is a nice warm bath or shower or something like that. Like he's literally gonna put a fire hose of his redemptive rain and he's gonna aim it right at that spot and he's gonna wash it over. Which means for those of you that are believers here, those of you that have submitted to life of Jesus Christ, you, you do two compelling and beautiful things when you worship through, through communion. You, 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 you declare what he's done for you on the cross in that washing over and you also declare your hope in that he's coming again. And that, that is the, the best kingdom picture we have in one, one simple act. Man, what God has done for me has done this in my life, but I can't wait till he comes again because I need the rest of this to be complete lacking in nothing. And so for some of you, I, I want to challenge, I want to push on you. As believers in here, if you're ready to get up communion, we have two lines, so you can make two lines, so it goes a little bit quicker if you want. If you're going to do communion, you're going to do that. I want you to, the Apostle Paul challenges us to, to, to search our heart in this, to come to the table with, with a healthy desire, wealth, healthy motives. And so some of you, you have this area of life, whether it's addiction, it's a relationship, whatever it is, you have some area of your life that you're like, I don't care what God's word says in this, and you've been ignoring it. And you need, you need to, re, you need to re, repent of it. You need to submit yourself and say, you know, I am just ridiculously angry, and I can't get out of it. You need to repent of that. Some of you, it, it literally means you need to go outside, pick up a phone, text someone or call them, and be like, I need to confess something to you right now because I want to take this, but I'm, I have unconfessed sin. And so some of you, that's, that's what needs to happen. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the most beautiful thing. When we, when we confess to the Lord and to others, God says we're healed. He doesn't say, oh, someday hopefully you'll heal up. He says, no, you're healed. Why? Because we call to light that which is darkness in us, and it has no power of us anymore. And when you repent, when you take that little juice <laughs> that only is enough to make your breath bad and not hydrate you at all, right? When you, when you take that little juice back there, you're displaying the recognition that his redemptive reign has washed over every aspect of you, even what you just repented of. When you, when you, when you eat of that bread, you're, you're, you're taking on the body that was bruised and broken again and again and again so that you did not have to experience God's wrath or judgment. 
And when you take of that, you get to celebrate, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Show up tomorrow. Complete me. Make this perfect. I mean, I'm, I'll be as patient as you need me to. But Lord, if you could come tomorrow, that'd be stinking awesome. And that's what you're declaring. You're declaring that in communion. And so some of you, you've been taking that as if it's just something you do flippantly. Oh, cool, juice and bread. May it not be so. May you recognize that when you, when you declare that, you're declaring what he's done, what he's going to do, and that you actually put your hope in that. So that means for some of you, that really means that you're going to have to open yourself up to his redemptive reign in your life. That means there's no longer, no longer do you get to say, I know what your word says, God, but it's like, all right, Lord, I have not been submitted to this. I need you to, I'm going to confess this to you, and God, bring me a community to confess this to so that I can walk in the strength of the way you, you, you made me to walk. And that's what you're going to do. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for um, continuing to love us, God, for the individuals that are in the room that have been following you for a week or for, um, for 50 years, Lord. I pray that you would give them um, the hope that comes that you're still redeeming, you're still at work in them, that they can trust the promises of you doing work in them. God, I pray that, that as that kingdom crashes over us, we'd start to see these incredibly beautiful things of, of action that come. God, I, I pray that you would, you would work in our hearts. God, for the individual in here that is following you but is just full of pride, God, would you just, just wreak havoc with their hearts? Just start chopping, God. Like I, I picture like in the Amazon, swinging a machete, not like a ginger little axe on a piece of wood trying to get a good thing. I want you to just, just cut, God. Cut away anything that is not that is not connected to you, Lord. We want nothing to do with it, Lord. And I pray, I pray that, that that would be our heart. I pray that we'd be able to walk to the table of the Lord's Supper. We'd be able to, we'd be able to take of your, your, what symbolizes your blood and your body that was broken and, and, and poured out for us, and we'd see that fire hose redemptive rain just wash over every aspect of who we are. And we'd be able to look back in the river mirror and say, Lord, you did it. I didn't think you could take this anger, but God, you did it. I didn't think you could restore my marriage, but God, you did it. And all to your glory, God. Father, for the individuals in here that continue to walk on the outsides, they keep coming, but they don't know you. Maybe there's some, some young kids in here that haven't committed their lives to you or know what it means to follow you. God, I pray that your redemptive reign would just shine brightly in their lives. And I pray that they would see nothing but the hope and the peace and the love that comes through, through you and your son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd move in the hearts of them. I pray that you'd waken them. I pray that you'd, you'd call them forward. And God, for as, as we take communion as a body, as we take it as, as, a, as a family, as we go and, and, and do this, maybe as, as we pray for each other, God, I pray that it would be just this beautiful, beautiful act of worship and nothing less. I pray at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, at the middle of the day, and throughout the rest of our lives, all we see is your glory, and that's all we want more of, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.